This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And again, thanks for joining us today. Ringler Radio brings you the most current and most current information about the structured settlement industry through discussions with industry experts, attorneys, and other high-profile guests. And you can find every Ringler Radio show on our website, ringlerassociates.com, and on the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Well, our discussion today centers around a hot topic that all parties involved in a settlement should take the time to really understand because it's become a critical component that must be considered in the settlement process. And we're really talking here about Medicare set-asides and the need to uh, become familiar with all of this Medicare process. It's very important in these cases. And our special guest today is my friend and regular colleague, Cindy Shanley, Cindy has more than 30 years of experience in claims, insurance management, and structured settlements. Cindy works uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. She's one of our Ringler Associates and has uh, uh, a lot of experience in this Medicare area. And Cindy, welcome to Ringler Radio, and I know you're going to be a good subject matter expert for us on this today. Well, thanks, Larry, and it's so nice to be in California. It's really cold in Louisville, where I'm from. You're telling me. (laughs) Uh, My my luggage is still in Chicago. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, listen, Cindy, uh, for our listeners who may not be uh, as familiar with Medicare set-asides, what exactly is an MSA or a Medicare set-aside? What is that? Well, I'm going to try to try to make it as simple as possible. And MSA is really an acronym for Medicare set-aside allocation. It's the expected amount of money that Medicare would normally pay for medical and prescription drug expenses for a workers' comp or a third-party injury. And why were these MSAs developed in the first place? Well, really, there's been a law around for since 1980. Um, it's the Medicare Secondary Payor Act, and it requires that Medicare cannot pay for an individual's medical expenses when payment has been made or can reasonably be, be made by another party. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes into play with workers' comp and with third-party actions. Medicare doesn't want to pay if there's a primary payor, like an insurance company or a self-insured. And even though the law has been in effect since 1980, Medicare set-asides really didn't even come into play until around the year 2000 when Medicare put rules out indicating how that should be handled. Mostly that was around the workers' comp uh, area, wasn't it? It has been around Mm -hmm. workers' comp, that's correct. Okay. And as far as the liability side, Medicare hasn't established any rules or processes. They're still trying to get their hands around it. Well, my understanding was that uh, even though... the set-aside concept was not part of the law. In workers' comp, it became the the, the best vehicle to really satisfy Medicare's needs right. to make sure that these monies were going to be around. And on the liability side, although it's not also part of the law, the anticipation, isn't it, that, that eventually that's going to also come into play at some point in time? Well, actually, I have to say that a Medicare set-aside allocation is not a requirement, an actual mm-hmm. report or a document. The law 
says, and it, it applies for both workers' comp and liability, that Medicare's interest should be considering when settling future medicals. The Medicare set-aside allocation or the document came to play because a lot of the insurance companies and attorneys didn't really have a process or a way of trying to figure out what did Medicare require. Well, when do these Medicare set-asides come into play during the settlement process? Well, they should come into play early in the settlement process. Anytime you're going to settle a claim where you think you're going to settle involving future medicals, um, it, it's you have to really consider Medicare's interest. Well, there's no question about considering the interest because I think that's become the hot button for everybody mm-hmm. now in this industry. Who actually is going to fund the MSA? The carrier usually funds the MSA. So they, they actually have some kind of an analysis that's done, and then an amount of money is established to be needed to really satisfy this Medicare's need. Then they have to uh, determine where that money is going to come from, and the carrier in settling the claim, what do they segregate some of that money and say, we're going to use that for the MSA? That's correct. On the comp side, on the liability side, it, it kind of depends. Okay. Um, well, we'll get into that in a second, but are these things complex? How, how complex can these MSAs be? They're actually very complex, and the and the problem is it's kind of a moving target because Medicare changes the rules quite often, right. um, and so you, you kind of don't know what they're going to come up with next. Um, while the law doesn't really require an actual Medicare set-aside report, it's actually become the, the standard, the norm, right. for a company to actually hire a vendor to prepare the report because they actually have the interaction with Medicare and they know what they're doing and they know what Medicare requires. Well, what role does Medicare itself play? And that by Medicare, I'm talking CMS, which is really the entity that really involves itself with all the Medicare rules and regs. What, what do they play in this process? Well, Medicare actually reviews Medicare set-aside recommendations that have been prepared. Um, they review them on workers' comp cases for settlements that uh, for Medicare beneficiaries where the settlement is over $25,000 or when a person is expected to be on Medicare within 30 months of settlement. That usually means they've applied for SSDI, whether they've been accepted or not, and the total settlement exceeds 250000 And while there are no current guidelines on liability claims, CMS is actually reviewing some recommendations, MSA recommendations on large liability claims. It depends on which part of the country you're in. Well, my understanding is that in a comp case, when you send in that that report to CMS, they actually have to approve it before the claim actually is resolved totally. But on on the liability side, they're really not in that same mode. Is that what you're saying? No, they have not established any guidelines for liability at all, uh, other than you should consider Medicare's interest when you settle a claim involving future medicals. Uh, but I do know that on the very large liability cases, the parties typically will consider whether they want to get an MSA report and whether they want to submit it. I have seen the multi-million dollar, $5 million plus cases where they are going through the process to try to get CMS review because they just want to be safe. They want to protect themselves, sure. Right. How does uh, anyone decide how much should go into the MSA? Well, the MSA, I can talk about it from an MSA professional's perspective. They actually review the last two years' worth of medical and prescription reports. They look at all the doctor's reports to figure out if there's any major procedures or surgeries that are required out in the future. And then they um, project what those Medicare-related expenses will be out in the future. The important thing 
to understand is that the MSA report does not cover all future medicals, only Medicare-related future medicals. So it's really important for the parties, both the defense and the claimant, to analyze their future exposure based on the total future medicals, not just the Medicare, especially plaintiff attorneys for their clients. My understanding is they're also not just to be dealt when they're dealing with these with these future medical, not just with what Medicare would pay versus general expenses, but the the rate at which Medicare would pay. I mean, sometimes doctor, you know, you have a life care plan where there's doctor bills in there for a lot of money per visit, but Medicare will only pay a smaller amount. So you, you're really trying to figure out what it is ultimately that Medicare would be involved with to be able to determine what you're going to have to either pay back in a lien or pay into the future in a set aside. Right. right, and Medicare actually has established rules on what pricing has to be used. It's not necessarily what Medicare would pay for certain procedures. They have a, a book that, that these companies use, a red book that they have to use. Why does that surprise me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, when, you, when we talk about how are the MSAs funded, how, how are they funded? Are they funded with a lump sum of money or an annuity, or is there is there a choice involved in that process? There is a work? choice, but typically for both parties, it's better to fund the MSA in a, with a combination of, an, of cash and an annuity or a structured settlement. Well, tell our audience why, uh, for example, if the MSA amount was, let's say, $50,000, why would it be preferable, instead of putting $50,000 into, into an account in cash, why is it more preferable to put some seed money and then the annuity? Well... CMS would require that that MSA be funded with $50,000, whereas with cash and an annuity, that $50,000 could easily become $25,000. So the cost of providing the annuity to to generate the $50,000 is a lot less, and therefore the claimant could put more money in their pocket rather than have to set it aside. Right, because typically, from a defense perspective, they want to save dollars on their claim. So it's 30 to 50% less expensive. But from the claimant's perspective, it's, I don't want to have to spend most of my settlement dollars on Medicare stuff if I can take $25,000 and put it in my pocket. I'd rather use that for something else. Yeah, as long as they're, they're somewhat sure that that's the amount of money that'll cover the, the MSA expenses exactly. that are in there. Yeah. What, where is the MSA money go? Where does it go? Does it get paid to Medicare? Or does it get in, set up in an account? How does that work? The, the money, well, there, there's two choices. The claimant can, or the in, injured party can self-administer their Medicare set-aside account, which means they have to take the, the money, the cash and the annual payments, put it in a checking or savings account that earns interest, and they pay their bills, their Medicare-related expenses out of that account. They file a report with Medicare once a year. The other option is professional administration. And that's for the larger, more catastrophic cases or where you have a claimant who can't handle the Medicare set-aside account. And there's a professional company that actually will administer the account and file the reports for them. But it's pretty expensive. Well, my understanding is that uh, if there's an annuity amount that's put into the Medicare set-aside, and once that money is spent down through medical expenses, let's say by July of that year, then Medicare will come back in to pay the rebalance of the year if there are expenses, and then at the next infusion of the of the annuity, it starts again. Right. They they have to file what they call an interim report with Medicare, and then Medicare reviews it, and then they'll pick up the Medicare-related expenses for the injury. From and I, I can forward. imagine that uh, for some people, just the, the administration and the accounting of all that uh, although they'd like to maybe self-administer, sometimes gets overwhelming and 
they would want to go to professional. Although 97.2% of all MSAs are self-administered. Well, I guess that means that the professional's funds are a little bit too high for them. <laughs> Either Maybe. that or the claimant wants control over the money. No question. Right. No question. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and let's come back in a minute with lots more from Cindy Shanley on the Medicare set-asides. Right here on Ringler Radio. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. We're talking about a very interesting uh, topic today, Medicare set-asides. And we're here with Cindy Shanley from the Ringler office in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, Cindy, is there a lot of Medicare bureaucracy to deal with when setting up an MSA? Well, Larry, it's the federal government. Well, what do you think? You've answered my question, but (laughs) give me a little bit of insight into that. Well, the process to get an MSA reviewed by CMS usually takes 90 to 100 20 days. It's actually taking more than 120 days right now because they're they're a little overwhelmed with with a backlog. Well, I'm sure the volumes are going up as people become more familiar with Absolutely. It, you know? If the parties don't agree with the CMS recommendation, there is a rebuttal process that they can go through and that takes even more time. I have some cases that I've been waiting for over a year to get CMS to either approve an MSA that was submitted or or continue to go through the rebuttal process. You know, it's interesting. I had a case with a uh, with a self-insured corporation and their lawyers, who, as you know, are very ticklish about a lot of these things, would not re- resolve the case and and spend the money to to fix it and finish it until Medicare said that they could do it. And it was a 14-year-old that was hit by a bicycle, mm, you know? Yeah, I've seen so, those too. So, you, you know, you, you don't have a really an issue there to deal with, but some of these lawyers 
want to do it. So it, it delayed the settlement of the case for months. So right. it's very important that everybody understands what kinds of cases and where this is all coming to uh, for all of us. Well, what if uh, funds are not set aside for these expenses and uh, a claim is handled and settled and the claim examiner you know, doesn't deal with the issues, the plaintiff attorney doesn't deal with the issues, and the monies get paid to the to the to the claimant, and they go out and spend it. What happens? Well, actually, you need to look at both sides of the of the fence. From the defense perspective, if the defense doesn't deal with the Medicare issues, they could face double damages, and the claim can even be reopened, and Medicare can come back in and reopen the claim. The attorney, the plaintiff attorney, can actually be faced with malpractice exposure. They actually can get in trouble as well. The claimant themselves could lose their Medicare benefits or Social Security might reopen their Social Security disability and provide them with some sort of an offset to get that money paid back. So it's a very serious issue. You know, and I, I know there's language that's put into a lot of settlement agreements these days, These, and I'll use the term roughly, it'll hold harmless kind of language that talks about the Medicare issue and how insurance companies and defendants want to insulate themselves from these problems that the plaintiffs may have if they don't follow through. And I know those those hold harmless kinds of statements don't apply to Medicare. Medicare can come back and bite you no matter what. So it's it's very important that all the parties realize that they can be in jeopardy. That's and, correct. Uh, and really take care of it as a joint effort to make I, sure everybody's I protected. So. For sure. Well, let me, uh, let me kind of finalize all this. Give me some insight into the relationship between Medicare set-asides on the Medicare side and, and the whole area of Medicaid. I, I know people get confused on that. Well, Medicaid, as you know, is a state program. It's what I call the poor person's insurance. It's an asset-sensitive program. It's asset-sensitive. In most states, if an individual has more than $2,000 in assets, they um, can lose their Medicaid benefits. And a Medicare set-aside is part of an asset. And so if they aren't careful about what they do with a Medicare set-aside, they could jeopardize their government benefits or their Medicaid benefits. Well, Congress... um, allows the use of special needs trust for preservation of settlement funds so that an individual can settle their claim or lawsuit and continue to get their government benefits and use that settlement dollars kind of for the further enjoyment of their life. You can actually put a Medicare set aside in a special needs trust and segregate it. And what I usually do or what I've seen done is I see um, the Medicare piece of the of the money put into a pooled special needs trust because it has to be separated and segregated. And then the other portion of the special needs trust money or the settlement money would go into an individual trust. So that, because the pool trust is a lot less expensive and some companies even charge a flat fee because you can't raid the Medicare set-aside money for fees. So it comes down to if you have a claimant that's, that's let's say, on the poor side of the, of the fence and, and has you know, the ability to lose all their, their Medicaid-type benefits and you settle the case and typically put money into a special needs trust, but you need a Medicare set-aside, there's a way, there's a vehicle to maybe do that and still preserve all those Medicaid benefits. Right. And and I like to look at it, they really need those government benefits to to pay for their future medical because of the catastrophic injury that they faced. And it's really, it's almost a, a coordination between the Medicaid folks who are going to be paying some of those benefits and what Medicare might have to pay on the federal side. Right. So, you know, there's one thing that this discussion has, has shown anyone out there who's listening is... There are, very, there are a lot of rules out there to follow, and there's even some uncertainty about how to apply all the rules. But it, what it means is you need to really deal with these issues very carefully, especially at the time of settlement, so that liens are repaid and future ongoing uh, payments uh, are made in the proper format 
and set aside approach so that Medicare doesn't come back and uh, and bite the claimant. And then that means everybody's in trouble. And what I've done, and and I know a lot of a lot of us have done, is we align ourselves with the professional experts that really get involved, the Medicare set aside companies, the special needs trust companies, and we know how to bring those people into the settlement picture and help kind of facilitate getting the case done. You know, I just had a case where a a Medicare set-aside type evaluation company uh, did a nice job with with a nice little report talking about what the medical needs were, did a uh, a one-page on what the seed money should Mm -hmm. be for that particular account. And those documents were attached to the settlement agreement when the case was settled so that upon further inspection by anybody that's trying to challenge it, at least there's a rationale for why the set-aside funds were what they were. I thought that was a very good approach. It's a great approach for liability especially. Liability especially, for sure. Well, Cindy, this has been a terrific uh, discussion. I'm sure our audience is going to find it enlightening. And uh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Well, they can contact me at my office at 502-569-9339, or they can email me at cchanley, C-C-H-A-N-L-E-Y, at Ringler Associates. You always put that E in there, Got to do that, at ringlerassociates.com. Well, if you want to reach any Ringler Associate, you can go to ringlerassociates.com. And in fact, we have a brand new website coming out shortly. In a couple of weeks. Yeah, you're going to find it exciting when when you finally go in and look at that. All of our Ringler Associates are found on there. And uh, any Ringler radio show, you can go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com. Click on that link, and you'll be able to hear uh, this this show, which is a terrific show, uh, Cindy. I, I want to thank you for that. Or any of the other shows, and you can even uh, download them on your iPod and even listen to them in Louisville, Kentucky. All as right. Go into the races, right? That's right. Well, listen, Cindy, thank you very much for joining us again today. And for all of you out there, have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio in its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners. Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.